Welcome back to the Bible Caddy Podcast. I'm William Kane. I'm joined by my good buddies, multi-time PGA Tour champs, Webb Simpson and Ben Crane. Ben, welcome back. We missed you last time. It, buddy, I literally missed you guys, and I just am reminded how much I love doing this, how much I love learning, and how much I love being with you guys. So it's great to be back. Hey, boys. It is awesome. The trio is back together. The band is back. Boys, I because we're back and because it's the three of us, I want to kind of start by getting a little vulnerable and asking for some prayer. Um. I'm praying about saving up some money to see if I can't buy a Grand Wagoneer. Uh, I've been seeing this Derek Jeter commercial over and over and over again. <laughs> I think if I get the Grand Wagoneer, I might find the life I'm looking for. What do y'all think? Buddy, I mean, here's the thing. Here's what here's a good prayer. We probably need to spend some time here. You're going to be able to avoid foxes at night. <laughs> True. You're, you're going to <laughs> When you get home and your wife's going to be in full makeup and your kids are going to be in full Christmas card outfits waiting for you. It's guaranteed, isn't it? It's guaranteed. That's I mean, part of the car. How It's car, but it does so much more. For sure. <laughs> um, hey, I heard a Christian comedian recently say that certain prayer requests that come his way, he just he he can't in his spirit agree to pray for that, so he gives him a thumbs down. I'm giving this one a thumbs down, William. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I mean, uh, I'm getting bombarded with that commercial every time the TV is on. Oh man, anything to make you more like Derek, huh? For sure. Um, well, boys, uh, congrats to Tom Kim on back-to-back wins in Vegas. Uh, Weber, how was it out there? It was good. You know, so Tom Kim, 21 years old, already won three times. Uh, it's crazy how young he is. And I felt really old. I had breakfast with him one morning. He's an awesome guy, by the way. Um, when he won Greensboro, he uh, thanked the Lord for his win, which was pretty cool. So I think he's walking with the Lord. Um, but Tom Kim, I realize, is closer to the age of my son than to me. Which I felt really old when I realized that and did the math. I'm 17 years older than him, and he's only uh, nine years older than James. So, uh, yeah, it's a different different league. Um, but, so, I mean, he played great, um, hit some good, really good shots down the stretch. Vegas is a golf course where you think when you play it every year, Ben, you've played it plenty of times, that somebody's going to shoot 28 under one of these years, and nobody really ever does. It's just got enough challenge of desert and water coming down the stretch and greens are firm. Um, so it seems like every year, somewhere around 20, 21 under wins, and that got it done this year. I think one of the reasons why I think it's been rated the number one most difficult for scrambling around the greens because the, the lies get mm. so and so grainy. I mean, you can you can duff them around there. I mean absolutely. You can if you don't catch that ball first, it can, it's it can be scary chipping. So yeah, you uh, you just take a mulligan right where you're standing. <laughs> it comes <laughs> and hope that little it doesn't roll up against the tuft you just created. That's right, William. I mean, you had a chance to win there, William. Close, closest we ever got, wasn't it? Yeah, one shot lead on seventeen back in two thousand ten. I, I did. A little glance over to the leaderboard. I see Simpson leading by one, and I got pretty nervous. My second year on tour, Gosh. hit a little seven iron in the water on seventeen. Missed playoff by one. Caddy error. You know, it, I don't know if it was a caddy error or not, but here's what was here's what was unfortunate. The ball clearly landed on the hill. We could not tell if it True. landed above or below the hazard line. And we asked the TV guys, can you tell? And they said, we can't tell. And so because Webb wanted to do the right thing, which was the right thing to do, we had to hit a 130-yard shot instead of an easy up and down chip. Which now, William, the line this year was six inches above the water. We'd have been fine. We'd have been in that playoff with Jaybird. And we would have lost in a playoff because he made a yeah. hole. <laughs> 
Hey, fun fact about Vegas that year, Jay Bird had his Q school application already submitted. He was planning on going to Q school two weeks later. He wins Vegas, which gets him into Maui, the Tournament of Champions, and he wins Maui Tournament of Champions three year exemption. So that was a crazy turn of events for Jay Bird. That is crazy. We, we need to shout get out Jay, to Jay Bird. We need to get Jay Bird on the Bible Caddy podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, all right, well, boys, we're doing something super fun in a few weeks that we uh, would love to tell our listeners about. So we're doing the first ever um, – we've done some CGF men's retreats before. This is a CGF men's retreat with the Bible Caddy guys. So if you're a man between 25 and 75 um, and you're interested in a little good golf, good food, and good fellowship, talking about the things that matter most, we've got a couple of spots left at our men's retreat, November 3rd to 5th at a really, really good golf course in Roanoke, Virginia called Ballyhack. So if you got an interest in that, boys, why don't you make a little plug, a little plug from the pro. I, I, I promise um, two things. I promise laughter, uh, and I promise uh, when you go home, you'll be encouraged. Um, we will have fun. Uh, Webb and I will uh, teach golf. We will tell funny stories, and um, we'll have great fellowship. So we've done a couple of these. And literally, I just walk away with my heart full. So um, anyway, love to have um, some of you listeners if, uh, if it works out. Yeah, and I would just say it, when you combine great golf, great fellowship, great food and drink, and just great teaching of God's word, I mean, that's a recipe for an uh, unforgettable weekend. And uh, we hope to see some of you listeners there. Yeah. So if you if you got interest, just email us Bible Caddy. Uh, that's with a caddy with an IE at gmail.com and we'll get you the info you need. Um, all right, Weber, tour goes to Japan this week. Yes. You told this story on the podcast before, but because of what we're talking about today, it's relevant for you to tell it again. We've got a bunch of new listeners since you told it almost a year ago. So tell us about your Japan putter story. All right. So we're at Ryder Cup at Glen Eagle, Scotland, 2014. And the only tournament I have left for the year is the Dunlop Phoenix in Miyazaki, Japan, home of the best beef in the world, by the way. And um, Paulie comes to me in the locker room at Glen Eagles on Sunday of the Ryder Cup. We just lost. Says, buddy, I got an idea. The belly putter or the anchored putter is being banned not till January of 16. So we're still 15 months out. But what do you say we get a head start? We haven't putted great this year. It'd be a good time. And we'll go to Japan using a short putter. We're away from the media, away from the noise. It'd be a good starter week. I'm like, great idea. So a couple days before we are leaving for Japan, I'm starting to get major anxiety in my mind and heart about the short putter. Been 11 years with this belly putter. And really my whole putting method was totally different with a belly putter than a short putter. So I felt like I was learning a new skill in golf. Um, I got I to do it. I got to do it. Well, the day before, I'm like, I can't do it. I'm so scared. So I call Polly and I say, bud, we're going to go belly putter. I'll, I'll get to the short putter eventually. And he is like, all right, I think you're making a bad decision, but whatever. So I go talk to my wife about it. She's like, why don't you – she goes, have you prayed about it? I'm like, no. She's like, well, why don't you do that? So I went and prayed, came back to the house after praying, still felt like a little bit unsure, but I see my belly putter in my golf bag in the corner of my garage. And it was just like it was the, – the Lord was shining light on the belly putter, and the, not to use it, but to not use it. That's how I felt. And so I literally walked over and grabbed the belly putter in my bag, and um, Dowd happened to walk in the garage at the same time. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, but just watch. And I take the belly part and I break it over my knee. Snapped it in two. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, now I can't take the belly putter to uh, Japan. I don't have a backup. So it looks like I'm going to use a short putter. So I still have the belly putter in two pieces. It's in my trophy case. Um, but so much of the anxiety I had was – just being scared, scared of what people would think, scared of potential failure, scared of not looking good at my craft, um, scared of being embarrassed. And 
it was just a great moment for me of like, Lord, I am walking in this direction, whether I succeed or fail. Like my identity is not in the way I put my identity is in Christ. And it's, it's a fight to believe that right now, but I, I do believe it. Like, give me some faith. And so anyways, that's the Japan putter story. Um, putted okay. If it, it felt awkward, like the first hole of the tournament, I've, I, it felt like I was doing something illegal because I had never, I mean, it's been so long. Um, so yeah, that's my story. Yeah. I love that story. And it's just a show dude of your desire to trust God and your desire to, in some ways, breaking that putter really wasn't about the putter at all. It was about right. idols of fear of man and what will people think and your own. Yes. hundred percent. Very cool. All right, boys, picks for Japan. Who you got? I know who I'm going with. It's kind of a, you're probably not familiar with who's in this field, but uh, Ben for sure has no clue who's playing this week. Uh, but I, I got gotta, my pick. I hope you aren't picking him. But you go first. I'll give it to you. Xander. Okay, I wasn't going to go Xander. Um, I'm going Akshay Batia gets his first win. Oh, former – I mean, from Raleigh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with Sam Stevens. Sam Stevens? Okay. Yeah. All right, love it. William, Blame. you seem confident in his answer. <laughs> the eyebrows raised. I was like, I didn't see that coming. I've looked at the field list and I didn't anticipate a Sam Stevens pick. Hey, I mean, shout out to our boy Sam Stevens. He's a legend. I love that guy. That's my pick. He's playing nice golf. Uh, played nice at, at Shriners. And uh, he's got a nice game working with Mayo. I think, oh, he's, nice. uh, I think it's going to be his first win. Okay. Love Let's it. go. All right, boys. Well, we are continuing in our series. Who do you think you are? You don't have to look long or far to realize that our world is having an identity crisis. Everywhere we look, people are on a constant search to figure out who they are. They're trying to define themselves to make themselves look significant or important. And as we've seen over these last eight or nine weeks, th there's good news for us in the Bible. Um, we have a brand new identity in Christ. And so far, we've seen all these kind of identity defining realities that have become true about us in Christ. We've been justified, forgiven and declared righteous. We've been redeemed, set free from sin's penalty and power. We've been reconciled. God's made us his friends. We've been adopted into God's own family. He's made us new creations, given us new spiritual life. He's made us members of his household and citizens in his kingdom. He's made us saints. And because we're saints, we're being sanctified by him made to be more and more like Jesus. And then last last time we were all together, um, we saw that in, in Jesus, we're eternally secure. God is going to keep us to the end. No one will snatch us out of his hand. So all these things are true about us now. If you're in Christ, these things are not up for debate. This is who we are. In, in our next four episodes, though, even though we're going to continue with the same theme of our identity in Christ, we're going to make a a minor shift. And instead of looking at realities that are already true of us, we're going to look at things that ought to be true of us if we understand what Christ has done for us. So what should we be pursuing? Who should we be becoming in light of Christ's work in our lives? And today mm -hmm. we're going to see that for those of us who know and believe in Christ, we ought to be worshipers. Mm -hmm. However, if you'll pray for our time and then Ben, you can read uh our verse for us john four twenty three. Mm -hmm. let's pray lord thank you for uh another podcast uh thank you for the opportunity to get into your word um as william just said lord uh let us not be hearers of the word only but doers i pray that your word would change us would shape us to be more like christ um lord your will for us one of the things we know for sure is to become more like you and so how do we do that? We do that by studying your word, by taking what we learn through the revelation of your Holy Spirit and applying it in our life. And Lord, we can't apply it without your help. So I pray that we would go in faith today, that we would take this gold from your scripture, uh, that we would have wisdom and discernment. And Lord, we would be changed. Let us decrease. And I pray that you would increase um, and that the listeners would be encouraged that they would want to hear more about you and the goodness of who you are in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
Okay. Uh, John 4.23 said, this is the most important thing we're going to do today, boys. Read the word. But mm. the hour is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Okay, good. So that's just a little statement that Jesus makes in the middle of his conversation with the woman at the well. And here's, here's the simple truth I want to begin with. When Jesus says that God is looking for something, mm. we need to pay attention. Mm -hmm. God is seeking something. And so what does this tell us that God the Father is seeking or desiring or looking for? People to worship him. Yep. For people to worship him in spirit and in truth. So let's let's start with worship. What is just really simply, what is worship? Anybody know where that word comes from? I don't know where it comes from, but I think it's the acknowledgement of something so much greater than you that you're putting your attention and your focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. It, it comes from the old English word worth plus ship. So it just means exactly what you're saying, Ben, to acknowledge the worth of something, to declare something is more worthy or more valuable than any anyone or anything else right and so god wants that for us to for us to begin to see him as more valuable mm -hmm. than anyone or anything else okay mm -hmm. so and, and he says he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth what, what do y'all think those two things mean to worship god in spirit and in truth well god is spirit right we know that <clears throat> Um, we can't see him. Um, and we're, we're with our spirit supposed to worship him in spirit. So I just think it's like in the deepest part of us that we would acknowledge and worship him from our, from our soul. Um, and in truth, I mean, in the right way, because he rightfully has earned um, our worship because of who he is and what he's done for us. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Webb. Uh, it makes me think of the John Piper quote that y'all know very well. Uh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I think what Piper's getting at there is, or to rephrase it, is God is most worshipped when we are most satisfied in him. So when our full satisfaction, our full worship and attention are on God, that is when he is lifted up and glorified the most. Yes. Well said, buddy. Yeah, so to worship God in spirit, we don't want to worship God just in formal, um, external, outward ways, but to really acknowledge his worth from our heart, like Webb, you're saying, being most satisfied in him. And then, Ben, I love what you said, to worship him in truth is to worship God according to who he actually is and according mm -hmm. to what he's actually done. And when those two things are functioning for us, this deep appreciation and valuing and love from the heart combined with a true view of who God really is and what God's really done. Now we're talking. This is what mm -hmm. God is. Okay. Um, so God's looking for that kind of worship. But as we've seen each week in this identity series, we, we've started with our unflattering before picture. And we see an unflattering before picture of our worship in Romans chapter one, uh, especially in verses 21. And then again in 24 and 25. So, Weber, tell us, tell us about, or just read those verses that show us who we are as far as worshipers go before Christ. Okay. Romans 1, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Okay, so we got we got two pretty big problems here. If we read this slowly and if we read this as our own diagnosis and mm -hmm. that, is, that is what it is. Um, what's the first big problem we see in verse 21? That although they knew God, they did not honor him and give him thanks. So it's not as if they didn't know, right? Like it's saying that they knew better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So here's our first big mistake. Deep down, we know God is worthy of our worship and we don't do it. We yep. fail we fail to honor him and we fail to thank him. Even though he's the one who's made everything and made everything that we love, even though he's given us life and he's sustaining our life, even though he is worthy of our worship, we have chosen not to. Mm-hmm. We have honored him, we have not thanked him. Okay? But it gets worse than that. Not only have we failed to worship God, what else have we done according to verse 25? We worship created things, lesser things than God. Yeah. And notice that word exchanged, right? Mm-hmm. Like we chose to worship or value or declare as ultimate lesser things instead of doing that for God. Mm-hmm. Um G.K. Chesterton said it this way. He says, when we cease to worship God, we do not worship nothing. We worship anything. Wow, that's a great quote. Yeah. And he's just picking up on this idea, like uh, like Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Okay, so Mm -hmm. here's what's true about humanity. We can't not worship. We are Mm -hmm. worshiping creatures. We're going to worship something. But what Chesterton has realized is when you stop worshiping God, you're just going to aim your worship at something else. That's right. And when we aim our worship at something else, what do we call that? Idolatry. Idolatry. Yeah. So one of you guys read, uh, read how Tim Keller defines idolatry. An idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to get, to give you what only God can give. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts. If I have that, then I'll feel that my life has meaning. Then I'll know that I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. There are many ways to describe that kind of relationship to something, but perhaps the best one is worship. Mm. Yeah. So Keller, uh, Keller will hit you over the head, right? Oh, man. <laughs> He's so good on this topic. Um, And I think this is just, it's a good place of reflection for us. So as you listen to this, what, what is that in your life? What is it that you look to for meaning or for value or for significance or for security? Like Mm. what admitted in the opening story for him, for a time, it might've been his putting. Um, Another way to get there is what, if it were taken from you, would crush you. Mm-hmm. What what so, is it that you ascribe the most worth to? What what is functionally ultimate in your life? What do you love most? What do you live for? So as you think about some of those questions, whatever's the true answer to those questions is what at least functionally you're worshiping, right? And and we're all susceptible to this. So, um. And it's true, at least at one point, of every single person on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, boy, so our listeners know it's not just them, it's us too. Can you think of any any things in your life that you've just exchanged the worship of God and you've worshipped instead? Yeah, for me, um, there was a very clear time in my life when golf started to go south about five years ago, six years ago, and it started not to deliver Um, what it had for the previous 10 years or so. And it came to a point where Heather and I, when we would start to talk about golf, it became like the most toxic, just like we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it and um, get through a conversation without being, you know, at each other in a way that just felt awful. So we just like, we're trying to, avoid the conversation of even talking about golf, which is one of the most important things we need to do, um, you know, as a, a couple. And so I was just kind of confessing that to William um, on the range at Brentwood Country Club one day. And I was just like, buddy, I don't know how to get out of this. And William just suggested reading um, Tim Keller's book um, called Counterfeit Gods, which is about idols. And it was, and so Heather and I both read it together independently. And then about every after every chapter or two, we'd come together and kind of go through our highlights. And we thought that we were 
you know, like we, we clearly understood, oh my gosh, golf. We thought, okay, golf is, is the idol. It wasn't golf. It was the things that golf was giving us. And it was, um, but we were able to just kind of list out those things, what it was for me, what it was for her and confess them and confess them to God. And then we just started to pray about it. And God like supernaturally started to release us from it. Mm. It was so amazing. And we have to continue to keep short accounts with each other and the Lord on this subject. But it's remarkable when you follow the Lord's, you know, will and way that he really bring about peace and joy um, in the midst of these, you know, difficult circumstances. Amen. Yeah. And Ben, what I love about that is like what the order of how it happened. Y'all had an issue or tension over something you sought like counsel God's word, uh, a great book. And then the Lord used that to reveal sin in your heart. You confessed it. And like God did a work there. Like I love that progression. Um, and you know, repentance is God's word says repentance is a time of refreshment. And now it's probably, it's probably a place for you and Heather. That's like a sacred place now, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I can honestly say, like, our entire marriage changed in those couple weeks when we were reading that book together in the best way. The Lord brought us so much closer than we've ever been. And, um, man, there's just, um, when we confess one to another um, and when we confess to God, God really does a great work. Amen. And it all came from seeing you were looking to golf to provide meaning and value and significance and security and for you it might have been meaning and value for heather it could have been significance and security but regardless you're you're looking to something besides god to provide what only god can provide and then when you see it and repent of it and put god back in his rightful place that's when that refreshment comes you know mm-hmm. when you start to worship and that's when god starts to fill your heart because yeah. i never delivers long term no yeah, and, and that kind of gets me to maybe the last thing I want to say about idolatry. Webb, you've covered this for us on multiple episodes so helpfully. It's worth saying again. Um, what's the problem with worshiping things other than God, whether it's golf performance or work or a bank account or whatever mm-hmm. on the worship? Yeah, I think what happens is idols are going to do one of two things. One if you achieve the idol, if you get what you're looking for, then you'll realize it doesn't satisfy. It might for a moment, it might be enjoyable for a time period, but you're going to come back wanting more and more. The other thing an idol does, if you don't achieve it, if you don't get it, if you don't get the promotion, the car, the watch, whatever, it'll never forgive you, meaning you'll keep chasing it until you get it. And as our good friend Dave O has told us, Jesus is the one the only thing that can do both things idols can't. One, he fully satisfies us. And two, he fully forgives us, our greatest problem. Um, and so for me with putting, going back to putting, I had a monumental moment in my faith when I realized a brother of mine uh, in a small group prayed for me that he, he just prayed the simple prayer. Lord, I pray Webb would hope to be a great putter, but that he would not hope in it. And that subtle little shift, God used that to reveal to me, Webb, you are hoping in putting that you, if if you are a great putter, you will be satisfied. And he just made the distinction, it's okay to hope for it. Absolutely. We hope for good marriages. We hope for healthy kids. We hope for success. But if we hope in them, eventually we'll be uh, crushed or uh, dissatisfied. And so that was a great moment for me to just, Lord, I'm going to pray to be the best player I can be. And if I'm not, I know that's not where satisfaction comes from. It comes from you. And so that, that was a, a helpful moment for me. Yeah. Before we move on to actually how we start worshiping God, I think it's just worth highlighting that you mentioned, you mentioned a watch as a potential thing you could idolize. And I, <laughs> You know, I just can't, I can't pass. I'm sure there's some guys out there that that's a struggle for them, but I don't know many of them. And so (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm just, 
I'm just naming a bunch, you know, whatever came to my head. Maybe that's something in my heart I got to go do some business with God about. Maybe it's just me. Hey, you also have a great Rolex story that you need to tell on this podcast at some point. Hey, <laughs> that second hand goes around so smooth. I just want it. <laughs> I mean, it's Swiss uh, made. What are we What are we doing here? Uh, it's great. Um, um, hey, I will mention to the listeners, um, the Lord granted me much favor one time in a putting contest with William Kane. <laughs> I, all fair and square, I was able to beat William with a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> William is a very good putter. That is definitely the strength of his game. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of a mile marker day. I mean, I mean when I look at my <laughs> – go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, more than anybody else on the golf course, Webb has the ability to just get all in the head. Gosh. Um, okay, so before Christ, we all find ourselves failing to worship God and instead worshiping other things besides him that are not ultimately as worthy as he is. So the question we need to ask now is how do we change? How do we become worshipers of God? So – um, let's compare it to sports for just a minute. Who, who's the number one pick in the uh, NBA draft this year? Wimbanyama. Wimbanyama. Okay. What are people saying about this dude? Could be the goat. Could be the goat. I heard somebody Can't. say he's got the potential to be the greatest team sports athlete ever in any sport. What? Yeah. I mean, Ben. Ben, you already sent us some highlights. Like, you got seven footers out there who can't come close to blocking anything. Yeah. He's got handles like our boy Willie K. Dude, 7-4, plays inside, outside, shoots it, handles it. He's a dog. How, I, mean, I how, hope he doesn't get hurt. How are you going to make up your opinion about him, though? What are you going to have to do? Compare him to others. Yep. And you're going to have to watch him over time, right? You're going to have to look at him. You're going to have to watch him. You're going to have to see for yourself, can he really do the things people are saying about him? That's right. All right. The same is true when it comes to worshiping Christ, right? First things first, if we if we're going to become, you know, appreciators of women, Yana, if we're going to become worshipers of Jesus, first thing we got to do is see him for who he really is. So we, we got to check him out. And the biblical term for this is just we've got to behold him. Mm-hmm. So let, let me show you how this works. Uh, y'all remember Matthew chapter 14. After Jesus feeds the 5,000, he sends his boys back across the Sea of Galilee. They're heading back to Capernaum. And late that night, Jesus comes to him walking on the water. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Peter, everybody's freaking out. What is happening? Is this a ghost? The Lord calls Peter out to him on the, on the sea. Um, it's crazy. When they get back in, the wind totally ceases. It stops. And here's what I want to draw your attention to. After these guys have just observed that moment, how does everybody in the boat react in verse 33 of chapter 14? And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Yes. Why why did they begin to worship him at that moment? They saw him for who he is. Uh No one else knew that. Yes. They just, they saw him for who he actually is. They looked at him and they saw him put himself on display. Mm -hmm. So if you want to become a worshiper of God, this is what you've got to do. Think about it each week Um, or or think about it this way. The people who watch football all day Saturday, what do they talk about the office Monday morning? Football. The people who look at the stock market all day, every day, what do they want to talk about? The stock market. Yep. Whatever the people who obsess over golf instruction, right? That's what they want to talk about. They want to talk about golf instruction. Whatever we set our eyes on, whatever information we take in the most uh, is going then to enable us to react to that information. So if we want to worship God, if we want to worship Jesus Christ, if we want to become a worshiper, the Mm. first thing we got to do is start to behold God. Right, which is really kind of what we set out to do in the first 40 weeks of this podcast. So if you're if you're new and you want to become a worshiper, it could serve you to go back and listen to some of our first episodes about who Jesus is. 
or even better, you could just open your Bible and slowly and prayerfully start reading through the Gospels and seeing who Jesus is. So question for you boys, um, what about Jesus? And maybe it's in one of the things we've looked at over the last year or so. As you behold him, as you look at him, what about him has really led you to worship? William, one thing I love that you say often is this is not just a story in an ancient book. This is real human history. And one thing I've been thinking lately is as we look at the accounts of these disciples and Jesus' time on earth is in real human history, the God of eternity past has come and he's dwelt among us. He lived in real human history. And not only that, which that's incredible in and of itself, but that he came for us. He came preaching a gospel of good news. And that good news then for the disciples and the people who heard him and knew him is as good for us today. And, you know, to the listeners, part of being a Christian, yes, there's a moment where you become a Christian, but the daily life of a Christian is similar to that first day. The, the, the hope and the goodness of the gospel I have to pray every day, Lord, let it be fresh to me today. And so I've just been encouraged as we look at, you know, our identity and all these things uh, through this podcast, like it really happened. He really lived and he died for us and he rose on the third day. Um, and that's still impacting me uh, as we speak. Love that. And and Ben, not to cut you off, I'll get you to chime in here in a second, but Webb essentially took us to where we want to go. If we become a, want to become a worshiper, we've got to see him for who he is. But then he's, we also need to see him for what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's one thing to see, man, this guy can walk on water and he can feed 5,000 and he can calm storms. He's worthy of our allegiance, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But then when he aims that at me and you and he does something for us, now, now our heart starts to soar with praise for him. And we see yeah. super clear in Romans 5, 8 to 11. So one of you guys read those verses um, and let's see how they lead us to worship. For God shows his love, his love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were... if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Okay, so don't, don't miss this, right? Um, when Christ died on the cross, he is demonstrating the love of God for sinners. Mm. Okay. And the result for those who believe is all these big words that we've been seeing in this identity series, right? We've been justified by his blood, forgiven and declared righteous. We've been saved by him from God's judgment, from the wrath of God. We were enemies and now we've been reconciled to God. We're friends with God again, okay? And now because those things are true, what does Paul say in verse 11 happens to us? We've received reconciliation. Yeah, and so and so, what does that do in our heart? We have peace with God. Yeah, it says we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through what He's done for us, our heart worships, our heart rejoices, Mm -hmm. our becomes um, our greatest joy and affection. Mm -hmm. Yes. So think about how the Book of Romans goes. At first, we fail to honor and thank God. We exchanged the worship of the creator for the creature for lesser things that brought God's judgment. We all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But now that we receive his justification and reconciliation for the first time ever in our life, we start to rejoice in God, Mm. worship him for who he is and for what he's done for us. Mm -hmm. Our hearts start to praise him. Mm -hmm. Uh, ben, I think one of the things that has just so impacted Webb and I about you is when you talk about Jesus in general and when you talk about his death and resurrection in particular, it like moves you. And so mm-hmm. why, why does that topic mean so much to you? I mean, there's just 
nothing in this world that satisfies me like that does because and i think it's i think it's pictured in the story of the prodigal son you know that when when you see that we have done wrong and we have squandered um all these gifts and we failed to recognize god for who he is and then when we kind of come to our senses as we're you know in a pig's pen um you know eating the very thing that the pigs are eating on like maybe i'll go home and see if i can be something and just be in some sort of relationship with god and then when we see the father gazing from a long way off and waiting for us and pulls up his robe and unashamed the holy of holies running after us Mm -hmm. it's like when you start to see the heart of god for us and then he brings us in and then he and he throws this this celebration as if we've done it all right and we haven't done anything good or deserving of it it's just the most amazing thing in the whole world mm-hmm. so there's just nothing better than seeing how holy good he is and then seeing that he has come for us and it's his joy to forgive us and to reconcile us um and and the greatest response we can have is just worship Mm. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we go from being those who worship idols to because we start to see who Jesus is, because we start to see what he's done, we start to worship him. And so now as we close, I just want to ask, well, how do we do that practically? Like, what does it look like in real life to be a worshiper of God? And we could answer this from a lot of different places in Scripture. But probably the most concise is right there in Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. I just want to highlight two sides of this. So um, let's start with verse 16. And we're trying to answer the question, what does it look like to worship God? What's Colossians 3.16 say? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thank." in your hearts to God. So what's worship of God look like in this verse? It starts with the word dwelling in us and from teaching, from um, looking at it, from studying it, and it gives us this wisdom. And then that wisdom produces like this worship, this singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of thankfulness in our heart. So it's like, it's the word kind of moving us. Yes. And you see those elements of spirit and truth right there. Remember Jesus said, Father seeking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. The yeah. word provides the truth. And then there's an eruption from the heart of praise to God, right? Of, mm. of, and so here's what I want to say, especially to the guys who are listening, because singing can kind of feel funny to you. Like worship of God, there's certainly more to worship worshiping God than singing to him, but there's not less than that. Like mm. it includes praising God from the heart. And, yeah. and this can be helpful again here. Ben, uh, you love the Bucks. A couple years ago, you took your son Brady to game six when they closed it out. Um, when Giannis is like going for 50 and dunking on people's heads, did y'all just like quietly sit there with your arms crossed and your lips pursed? <laughs> <laughs> was out of the seats i mean full fence screaming high-fiving every stranger next to us it was <laughs> there's no other person on this court who can do what he's doing and take over a game and everyone knows he's going to get the ball everyone knows he's going to you know score and yet they still can't stop him so it was it was as great a performance as i've ever seen live obviously um but we did not hold still we let it loose (laughs) so out of the overflow of the heart the mouth spoke and the body reacted and you saw greatness and you responded to it Mm -hmm. that's all worship is okay it's joyfully ascribing to god his worth acknowledging that he's more valuable more beautiful better than anyone or anything else this is why christianity is a singing faith it's a praising faith no other faith is like this some might chant, some might pray in song, 
but we we believe a victory has been won and so we worship we mm-hmm. see. all right so weber what's this look like for you like how's this part of your life well yeah i want to say something real quick our good friend brad Payne has this great little uh line he says you want to know what someone loves just listen to them and in due time you'll know what they love because we talk about what we love right eventually you'll get to know what someone loves if you spend enough time with them because they will talk about it kind of like you're saying like what we love in our heart it'll overflow in our words in our actions um what this looks like for me um for me to get my heart oriented in worship to god as it should be it, it starts first thing in the morning for me like i feel like i don't function near as i should or as i want to or the way god has designed me to unless i've spent time with him um just like you warm up for go play around the golf you do all the things that are important to get you most ready for the round it's the same thing with the christian faith i read the word i pray the word i beg god to do a work in me to change me and that's kind of my start to the day every day and you got to fight for it i'm a dad of five kids and you know, maybe it started early in my walk as, oh, I think this is what you're supposed to do as a Christian. Now it's like life and death for me. Like I, my, my heart and soul long to spend time with the Lord. I mean, I want to spend time with my wife. I want to talk to her. I want to be with her. I want to have fun with her. Same with the Lord, right? And more with the Lord. Like he is who I want to be with. Um, so practically in the morning, just time in the word. Pray in the word, asking God to change me is kind of what it looks like for me. Love it. Love it. And then we want this to express itself at some point in our week, certainly in worship with our church, but then maybe it's in your car by yourself. Let's all just want to grow in praising God mm-hmm. because he really has won a victory on our behalf. Um, but worship is not simply praising God from our hearts. It, it is that, but it's also honoring him with our lives. There's a way we can worship God by the way we live. We'll close with this. Um, what does verse 17 say? And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so what's the idea here as it relates to worship? There's nothing left out in our lives that isn't, worthy of doing it for the lord mm-hmm. well i mean the, around the house or in yep. simple like doing it in a way work hard and cheerfully at what you're doing as though you're working for the lord not for man you know and it, it it really does put uh you know some joy in your step um that's right that way yeah and dude life goes from black and white to color when you realize that no matter what you're doing or no matter where you are, you can offer that thing as an act of worship to God. Mm-hmm. Right? So Weber, why don't you tell us, like, get, give us an example of how this might play out either in your work in golf or in marriage or in pa- parenting. And then maybe Ben, maybe you offer an application of what this might look like for our listeners to worship God in every area of life. Yeah. I think like, how do you worship God in your marriage? Uh, one, I think you try with God's help to listen and apply the biblical commands and encouragements from scripture as it relates to me as a husband. And one of those is to give my life for my wife. Now, obviously every day I'm not, I don't have to go physically die for my wife, but a, a healthy place for me to be is I need to give my life away for the good of my wife, right? I need to think about her and put her interests uh, above my interests. And so if I go in humbly into my marriage and I think not, how can my wife serve me today, but how can I serve my wife? How can I make my wife's day better today? That is worship to the Lord because what I'm doing is I'm trusting God at his word. He's asked me to do it by God's grace. I am applying it and doing it. Therefore he's worship because it shows I trust him and it shows that what he has asked of me is what is best for me. And so that's just a, a you know one practical way we could honor him uh, in marriage in the home. Yeah, exactly. And you can do the same thing at your work or in your parenting or with yep. whatever it is God's called you to do. So Ben, maybe uh, give give an encouragement to our listeners as to how this might apply to them before we land the plane here. Yeah, I think yeah, for me, I, I love 
you know, I can, I can see as I listen to country music or I, you know, go about my day, I can see my heart drifting away from the Lord. And I can see, I'm, you know, um, being taught by the world and, and my affections going that way. And so I just, I'm paying attention to my heart. And so, um, I'll just be like, man, Lord, I just need worship. I need, um, and so I'll turn on Shane and Shane and, um, listen to one of the songs I love that they sing, you know, scripture. That's, that's just, is so good to me. Um, when I think about my kids, um, I'm like, what is the best I can do for my kids? And it's like to aim them at the Lord. Well, how do I aim them at the Lord? It's like by worshiping myself, I'm being excited about what I read in, in the Bible that day. Um, we're, we're going through the storybook Bible by Kevin DeYoung, um, which is a, maybe a 300 page book at the dinner table. And so letting the kids take turns reading and like aiming them at the Lord so that we worship and we, we see all the major movements in, in scripture. And then another thing I'll do that, that when I need encouragement um, is I'll just call one of my friends. I'll call one of these guys or one of my friends and ask them how they are. And then I'll also tell them how I am and where I need prayer and encouragement. And it's just like, I talked to William yesterday. I was feeling a little low and, and discouraged about a couple of things. And I called him and, and by the end of the call, um, after we kind of shared with one another, like the Lord just built us both up. Um, mm. It's amazing how, um, you know, God tells us to do these things and we do them and we, we really do um, get encouragement from them um, as we worship and acknowledge it. Yeah. I love yep. that. All right. So if we're going to ask, what does this whole thing mean for our identity, which has kind of been the point of this whole series, who do you think you are? Here's what we see today. Today. Though at one time, we not only failed to worship God, but we worshiped other things instead of him. Because of who he is and because of what he's done for us, we ought to become worshipers of God. No one or nothing is as worthy as he is. Amen. And frankly, nothing will satisfy us more than praising him from our hearts and honoring him with our lives. Um, memory verse for this week, if you want to keep going with that, is John 4.23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Hmm. Thanks for listening to the Bible Caddy podcast. If you've got questions about Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. You can always email us at biblecaddy at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the socials under the handle at Bible Caddy. We'll be back next week with our next episode. And who do you think you are? Until then, let's get into the word and let the word get into us. Oh, oh, oh.